0: Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is Donaldson
1: Piles, Tom Donaldson, Coco Konski here tonight. We got a great show uh, planned. And, and what we're going to do, we're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about sex workers, uh, legalization of sex workers, should it be done? We're going to talk about drug legalization. Oregon has now become the first state to legalize hard drugs, uh, mental health. We've got three great stories to tell. Today is the anniversary. Of the Great Nome uh, Chase, and for those who don't understand, is in 1925 there was a diphtheria breakout in Nome, Alaska. And the only way they could get serum there was by dog sled. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, we got a, you know, Coco's got a feature on a named Jason Collier. And uh <laughs> we got a story that's another story, so yeah, and so what yeah, so what we so we got a whole lot to talk about uh tonight, uh, but before we do, uh, we got some news here uh, uh you got yeah, you got your news so so tell us about the news uh something oh, about yes. nvidia So –
2: um. I got reached out by a friend of mine, and he does music videos for like MTV, Fuse, and he basically just offered me this part um, to be in this music video with this up-and-coming, not up-and-coming, I can't really say who they are, um, rock band, Um, set to shoot in April, May. So I'm really excited. It's going to be a very apocalyptic zombie theme, which is right up Mm. my alley. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's start off with Jason Collier.
2: Oh, my God. You know what, guys? You know what, guys? Okay, for those of you who haven't gone down the rabbit hole, I took the day off work, Tom, to follow this story, if that tells you anything, anything. Jason Collier. Yeah. All right, this little place called Stinton, Texas, which it is, like, as small as a town as you can get. Now, earlier um, last week, uh, news broke about this chief of police who the, the police department put out uh, a notice saying, you know, he has resigned, blah, blah, blah. And little did I know what a rabbit hole i would be going down tom this woman named cecily a woman named cecily uh she posted a picture of of her fiance you know like okay people do that that's fine and someone commented hey um your fiance is married to my friend and then another Mm. woman commented Actually, I'm engaged to that man, too. So it went viral, you know, and little bits and pieces started coming out. We have a woman named Christy who is certifiably insane. Um, We have the fetish of coffee makers, which I will get into it real quick soon. He would gift all his girlfriends espresso machines. That was like his thing. Espresso machines, yes. Tom Coffee Makers. He has a fetish for coffee. Wow. This man owns the ministry. He's the chief of police. He would travel and be with one girl saying he's, you know, working while being with another woman. And these women only knew him for like three weeks and they were engaged to him. Meanwhile, he has a wife. He has a kid. He has three kids, I believe. One's a teenager. Um, this story is like... Mind blown, Tom. I mean, everything that came out, you know, they even created uh, this, this Facebook group called Jason Collier Netflix series. Um, because I, and Tom, I, start, I, I, was, I was one of the people who first started in the group. where There were only like 5,000 um, people that joined this group. When this news broke, Tom, the next day, we had over 150,000 members. Wow. This is – yeah. So if you guys want to know about Jason Collier, um, like I said, this man was a sheriff, chief of police. He, The reason why he was arrested and, you know, fine was because he would tell these women, oh, I'm not married, you know, I, I, my, my, I have an annulment. So, he basically used police um, resources to forge these annulments and show these women. Um, (laughs) You know, a woman woman who says she dated him says he did so to convince her he was signaled so he can continue the affair. Um, Collier allegedly sent a text message to the victim with the fraudulent government records. Um, the dog, the document was obviously, uh, fraudulent. And this is, this is the part where it gets like, holy crap. So he was arrested maybe like two days later. Right. So they, they arrest him 30 minutes later, someone posted his bail $10,000. $10,000. Yeah. So somebody, some woman already posted his bail, you know, um, and, this, and I, the more I looked into it, because we were, like, really investigating this. Like, I, 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 we actually ended up doing a Zoom call, me and some other people, about this case. And, like, more and more, every day something else new would come out. The, the, this man didn't even, like, hide his real name. Like, he used his real name. And he posted a picture of his wife, Opal when, like, I mean, can you imagine, like, your friends, you're yeah. your, 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 your engaged to be married, and this guy, like, forgets that he actually literally posted a picture of his wife. I mean, this, mm. this story took me, to, like I said, I took a day off work. I took technically two days off work to look into this story, because I knew this was going to be huge. It made, it made Fox News. It made The Sun. It made all all of the new the news organization sites you know and the the thing is it was just it's just so unreal i mean i kind of want to know what day planner he had because remember he's chief of police he has yeah. 16 girlfriends on the side 16 that we know of 16 uh, mm-hmm. he has he has an ex-wife a current yeah. wife well, on and that, he has yeah. Oh, yeah hold on
1: to that there. Yeah, we're going to continue this investigation because uh, this is yeah, like you say. You know, when you told me, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Obviously, mm-hmm. you are not kidding me. So this is Tom Donaldson I was here not. with Coco Konski, here on the Donaldson Files on the Bassford News
3: Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe Radio Broadcast. From Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
1: Yeah, the, bachelor, the, the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you can listen to this show and all of the other shows. On our network anytime. It's fashionnewsradio.network.com. Uh By the way, if you want to uh, join in today's conversation, 646 929 0130. 646 929 0130. Call in anytime. We're going to be, like I say, we'll be talking about uh, legalized yeah. drugs, uh, sex workers, uh, legalized, should we legalize sex workers, mental health. But we are now in the midst of this investigative uh story about Jason Caly, a sheriff who somehow or another has at least sixteen girlfriends. How many wives did he have? Well, uh, we know
2: one? that he got divorced in two thousand one and he remarried okay. uh Opal. Um, who by the way has just by the way has just filed for divorce. Good for her. Um, but here are the five facts you need to know about this guy. All right. So Collier, abstinent department in Texas, very low, low, like very small town, was put on leave after a Facebook post from a woman who says she unknowingly, she was unknowingly his mistress and accused him of living a double life with at least two girlfriends. That's what happened, two girlfriends at first. Um, the Facebook quickly went viral, spreading throughout the small northern Texas town of 1,800 people. That's how many people live in this town. It's 1,800. Um, he was arrested, you know, he was suspended um, for tampering government records uh, with the intent to defraud or harm. His wife has filed for divorce. Um, the woman, Cecily, um, from Amarillo, first exposed him. And she, she was, you know, she was great because, like, she, um, you know, I, I, I have personally talked to her. And to tell me what had happened and saying, you know, that she was engaged to him, but things didn't really add up. Another woman named Christy was the second girlfriend, you know, and it was just, it was just stunning. It was so stunning. So these are, you know, the five facts that you, if you really want to know about this case, I'm going to read you the five facts about this man. So Collier had wished a happy anniversary to his wife in a September Facebook post saying, I fall short daily of being the godly husband. Well, no shit. You know, he wrote in his post, happy anniversary to my beautiful bride. I couldn't imagine doing this life without you. Here's to many more years and memories to come. I, yi, yi. Can you just imagine reading that, knowing you're engaged to this man? Yeah. Well, also, Collier I- worked so
1: go on yeah, no, I get it. like I say it's sad because he lives in a small town. It's not like this is a big city, right it, and I don't know how much you know what is you
2: know it was like how how did he plan for all this like how did he get away with it for fifteen years, and you know he also worked for several police departments in Texas before hired, and sonnette yeah. is not known for their. Great cops, because um i'm telling you, I should work for the FBI Tom I found out one of the people that was another officer was actually charged with child rape. It was a female officer who was charged with sleeping with her fifteen year old uh, son's friend, and she's like an active oh. deputy she's an active deputy oh. i mean these these, yeah. these are these this is this is who they hire by the way in this town um You know, um, we found that out. Um, Just, like, really easy, like, online documents. Um, He's also a uh, Texas-based part of – he's also on the board of the Texas-based religious organization, Our Brother's Keeper, by the way. And they basically disowned him. You know, his girlfriend, they had compared stories about him, including videos and photos he had sent to them and excuses he made for why he was away yeah, we also had found his Tinder profile, by the way. Like, I'm telling you, I spent two days researching this dude, and I came up with a lot of things. For example, we found his mm. Tinder um, as long as, like, other dating sites. You know, he sent an apology video to to uh, Cecily. He says he feels like the biggest piece of shit and didn't mean to hide anything or lie. How do you not mean to hide that you have like a wife and like 14 or 16 other girlfriends. Like, how do you, did it, how do you not mean to hide that?
1: Uh boy. Yeah. I mean, that's,
2: I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I didn't, what, what he's saying is I didn't mean for you to find out that like, you're one of my 13 side bitches, you know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, and his apology yeah. was just like, I mean, I, I saw the video and the video was like, I feel like such a piece of shit, and he's and I'm like thinking to myself, that's because you are. That's because you are. What do you mean you feel like that? Sorry, it's yeah. like I'm sorry. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to stab you. I feel awful about it, but I still did it.
1: Yeah. You know? So, okay. So bas- So basically, he's been married. To what? So you. The, so so did he have two wives at the same time? Is that what? Is that what I'm? That's
2: getting? un. That's unknown. Um, we do know that he, so here's the thing, when something comes viral, people will say anything. Well, it turned out, in this group, people's mothers have dated the same guy, at least two that we know of, um, you know, and the weird part is he would introduce them to his family, like his parents, and like, like I mean, that's a mind-blown me. I was like, wait a minute, so his parents are along on this? So when I say going down
1: yeah, well, the rabbit yes. hole, oh wait, 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 wait! Let me get this straight. Doesn't his parents know he's already married? Yes. And times, I mean, I, I, I find this whole thing So what you're telling me is he would keep bringing fiancées. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And here's my fiance for the. I mean, did they not think this was strange, or what's the? I mean,
2: I what is what? I cannot yeah. tell you what I can tell you is all the ga- other evidence of me and a, a lot of other women have gathered uh against him. And, you know, what What really is shocking though, what's really shocking is like, you know, just like, how did he do it? <laughs> like what app does he use to plan his day? Cause I need that app, you know? Um, just like, what? See, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was insane. And like I said, this took about a couple of days of research, you know, we really were like, you know, into this and um, the thing, the thing, oh my gosh, that like literally blew my mind was like, guy has like teenage kids. And apparently he also has a baby on a way with another girlfriend that he was engaged mm. to. So okay. um, if this right, teaches so, us anything, ladies, if this teaches us anything, it's research who the hell you're dating. I mean, the, the thing the yeah. thing about it is, like, he never hid his name. He never, you know, I, I his name was always out there. It wasn't like he was giving these women, like, a, a fake name. Like, all they could have done is literally go to, like, a background info website and literally checked him out. Literally. Yeah. You know, and, and again, these women only knew him for like two weeks, and they were already engaged. That's a red flag, Tom. You don't get engaged with someone you know for like a week.
0: You don't know that person.
2: Yeah. You don't do that. Well, so so that's you. what happened. Oh, my favorite yeah, I mean, part, I'm by so- the way my my favorite part. He said he these women engagement rings. Like he would text them, like, "Oh, I just picked out your ring. I just FedExed it to you." Why the hell would you FedEx an engagement ring?
1: Well better, yeah. Why would you as a woman accept a betting?
2: I don't I mean that, that's that's another thing that I struggled with. Like, you know, I'm not victim it, blaming, like it sucks. I've had it happen to me where a guy goes to me, like I've been there. You know, I I there was a point in my life where I dated a guy and I had found out that his sister or that's what he told me was actually his fiancee. So like I've been there, I understand it, but like You know, at the same time, I'm like, well, I was really young then. I wasn't 39 or in my 40s. Like, I was 20. So, um, you know, I think age has something to do with it. I think, you know, but the thing that really drives me crazy is that these women introduced him to their kids, to their kids. Like, you're going to meet a guy for a week, and you're going to already introduce him to your kid? That's insane to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, how long did it take you before you – uh, met uh, your boyfriend's daughter. A year. It was, yeah.
2: A year. So. A year. Yeah. So I mean, this this little rabbit hole. So if you guys want to join the 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 group, you know, everybody's welcome. We yeah. have over now two hundred thousand followers. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and well, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. this yeah. story was just it just keeps getting better and better to be honest. Like yeah. we're not done with this story. Yeah. Right? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. All right. Here's this. Yes, sir. This is in Louisiana. And here's this you know, This is the, what happened here. Okay. Some Buck of a human being who's got, who's already a convicted self-offender mm-hmm. is accused of raping his niece. Ugh. Well, it gets Pastry even him. worse. Pastry yeah, It gets him. even worse. Yeah. It gets worse right. because obviously his sister did not appreciate it. So He's afraid that his sister and his niece are going to go to the police. He mm. hires two hit people to go to the house and they and finish it off, finish this woman oh to kill the niece. To kill the niece. What ends up happening is this: when they come, the two hit guys go into the house, the niece right. and and a stepdaughter of is and hiding. They hide that death, and the woman. The mother pretends to be the niece, and an right. has and a friend of hers happened to be visiting. So they end up shooting the you know the you know, the wife, the woman, the sister, and her sister and the sister's friend.
2: Holy shiza! So that is yeah, that is something.
1: Tom. Yeah. So essentially, what she did is she basically figured she basically took the bullet for her niece. I mean, for her daughter. Okay. For her daughter, of course. And I think any mother so her would. her daughter, yeah. Right. And it was almost immediately the police said, "Yeah, this sounds." You know, they suspected the brother. They captured the, you know, they basically, you know, investigate brother. As it turns out, they find out who the two hit people are, and they finger the brother. So, and so basically, you got two, you know, three first-degree murder, and as the district attorney says, the death penalty is definitely on the table for these
2: three. Oh, my God.
1: So, yeah. So, but. Well, I mean, I think I'm reading. Should
2: this, all. I mean, I'm, yeah.
1: yeah, I'm reading a story. I mean, this is one of these stories you look at. It's like, you know, my first thought was, okay. First of all, it's the scummy. There's the scummy side of the story. Brother, uncle goes, you know, sex, you know, rapes the niece. That's. Right, yeah, so you got that part, but then you got the mother who basically takes the bullet, who takes the bullet for her daughter, yeah, for her daughter. So, That's I mean, so it's like,
2: crazy.
1: yeah, it's crazy, but and I keep thinking to myself, you know, 2021 is off to a great start if we really hit the mark,
2: Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, with the whole Jason Collier thing, um, when I like, I I told you I gave up two days of work to, to follow down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Because at first it was like, okay, whatever, it's drama. And then I just got you get sucked into this stuff, and it was it was honestly yeah better than any reality show I've ever seen because this was real. Yeah. This was real life. Reality yeah. shows are scripted and they're fake. Sorry to break the news. Yeah. I live with an editor. I know. You know, this, this is like the thing that was just like. My mind was blown. My mind, and uh, by the way, advertisers. Um, I would see like people would like post like food, f- uh, like restaurants in their town. And one person, um, Jesse's Burritos, shout out in New Mexico, had a Jason Collier special burrito that came with five sides.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> five
1: sides. <laughs> All right, hold on a thought. This is Tom Donaldson here on the. Do- uh, uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network and the Donson Files with Coco Konski. Uh, uh, and don't forget, you can listen to this show anytime on the uh, get get chat, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. That's the website. Uh, you can listen to it anytime. The, this show and other great shows. Uh, and call in, after, and, and and we're going to take a break. And when you do, you can call in this number and get in the front of the line. To... 629 0130. 646 929 And if you want to comment, uh, feel free to do so here on the Bachelor News Radio Network and Donaldson Files.
4: I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I
1: don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's
4: under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are
5: too old the for flu. The media fluke. is exaggerate. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, The flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov.
4: A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: Welcome back to the Johnson Piles here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're going to uh, talk about legalized uh, uh, prostitution. Uh, By
2: the way, someone uh, actually what? just made a comment to our show. They asked, how did he manage to get away with this for so long? Um, obviously, they're talking about Jason Collier. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, considering he had a full-time job you know, the gifts, the hotels, you know, obviously he's, he's a cop in a town of 1,800 people. He's not going to be able to afford that. So he was obviously using the police department's uh, funding for that. So I'm sure that's part of what the investigation is going to lead to. Um, but I, I don't know how he got away with it. I, um, Like I said, I wonder what day planner app he uses because to do all that, to juggle fifteen women
1: um that that's a talent man well yeah I, but the, the thing that really gets me the most is that uh, what gets me the most yeah. is this is a small town, and it's not like eighteen other 1, people. People.
2: So people, so it's not
1: like and it's not like. You know, he, you know, he can go. I, I just didn't get, I mean, you got, you literally have a town of 1,800 people. Imagine if he lives in that county or that community, it's not all that much more uh, popular, you know, I mean, population wise. So this is mm-hmm. what that, I just find so fascinating.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, and if you think, if you think about it, Tom, if you think about it, it's just like, you know, his apology was such BS, such BS. And it's just like, Well, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean for anybody to find out. Like, well, clearly, clearly, you know, and his apology video, it was just like, it, it was it was gold. It was just like, he's in the car. He, he has his deputy mic on. So you hear like 411, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just feel like such a piece of shit. And like the whole time, I'm yeah. like, oh, no, I'm kidding.
1: Alright, now okay, here's the thing. I'm gonna ask you, you know, four or five different uh questions here. Okay. And you know, and I watch kind of your comments on it and then we'll go into okay, first of all number one. Uh you know, there's an article I, there's a couple articles I had. There was one, should sex works be localized, they had a pro and con of it. hundred uh, percent. I don't find any cons. I
2: don't yeah. I don't well, have any cons for that. All
1: right, well that's what that's, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna okay. ask you some of and then you comment. Yeah, I want you, know, you kind of. All uh, right. You comment. Okay. This is okay. One of the cons. Legal or not. Prostitution, is still considered. Okay. One of the the one. that said legal or not women. I mean prostitution is violence against. It's based on okay, the fact that you. Yeah. No, okay, right. here's the the whole idea of prostitution based on the bedrock that one party offers the their body to be treated in exchange for money and goods from the other party who's free to do whatever they want. In this situation violence arise, you know. Okay, it could be okay, so basically she's she's really saying in effect, you know, prostitution is itself violence against women.
2: That's bullshit. Your That's such bullshit. Who said this?
1: Uh, okay, well, it, let me get it here. Uh, it was a, it was a something called the, uh, the. Let me say the. Okay, well, whoever the she is, whoever
2: whoever she is, yeah. is insulting. You know, sex work. You know, it's a job. It's a hard job. It's not something that you get into without really knowing what you're doing. I mean, and there's there's the thing there's, there's all, there's different types of sex work. I mean, some sex work is legal. Like if you're going on camming sites, like that's a legal job. That's a hard job. Like these Mm -hmm. girls are doing this like 10, 12 hours a day, you know? Um, And there's also like, I mean, there's just, it's just such a variety of different sex work out there. That you can, and most of these women, by the way, they're independent contractors. They don't have, like, a pimp, you know, that's not existed. I mean, the only real places you'll find that are, like, kind of, like, in the ghetto. You're not going to find that, you know, in a- everyday sex worker life. Like, you're just not. You know, most of these women, they have their W-2s. Like, you, feel, you know, most of these girls fill W-2s because they are independent contractors.
1: Well let me ask you a question. Okay, how do you do that? I mean here's the thing. You know what do you put on your tax return as occupation?
2: Um,
1: entertainer. Entertainer. Yeah. I, I just be, that's all entertainment. All right. Yeah. And the other aspect is how do you collect them how do most of these women that let's say you're talking about collect their money? Jackson?
2: They have a bank account. It's direct deposit. Direct deposit. So, all
1: right. So basically, I'm going to direct deposit. I mean,
2: okay, Tom, think about it. Like, you know, a lot of these sites are legit. Like, I mean, I have friends in the business, and, you know, they'll either get a check um, through their mail or they'll get a direct deposit. It's not like they're, I mean, you still have to pay taxes. You know, it's yeah. not like uh, yeah. under the table type, you know, escorting yeah. thing. That's not that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about okay, is the
1: legal yeah. section out here. So legal. OK, well, I'll, let me go this way. You know, would you say legal? Are you talking about cam, you know, cam ladies? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, okay. Or well, like let me only put this fans. Let's
2: go there.
1: Yeah. yeah. OK, only fans. OK. Well, see. yeah. I, all right. So now you view that, okay. So I guess now, but what about the actual? Let's say the actual. Okay.
2: So you're talking process, like escorting. Escorting. You know, let's say, escorting. Escorting. So okay. let's say okay. basically, yeah, yeah where sex is involved. I mean, I, I really don't you know? think the government like should tell you like what you can or can't do to your body, yeah. and if you long as it's, it's it's like a consenting age, like you're over eighteen. Um, I don't think it's anybody's business. I really don't. I honestly truly don't. And in fact, like, I think it's like, you know, um, I think it's great. I, I've always been very pro-sex work uh, for a very long time. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if you want to go ahead and do this and, like, you're not being forced to. And I think a lot of people don't cannot distinguish the fact between trafficking and sex work. They cannot. A lot of people don't. They're just like, oh, sex workers, like, isn't that trafficking? No, it's not. Um, The majority of sex workers are doing this by choice, by choice. And by the way, by the way, for someone, if someone was, like, asking me, like, well, how do you know that person is really 18 and underage? Well, I have an answer for you. Um, A lot of campsites will put, you know, you have to show a proof of your ID, and it can't just be like any ID. It has to be a legit state or driver license, your social security. Like it's like applying for a job, Tom.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right.
1: Yeah. Now let's go back to the escort service, okay? The escort right. service. Now that's a little okay, now we're not talking about cam because to me a cam studio. I can separate that out because you're not necessarily having real be sex. You're basically
2: right. Absolutely. You know, you're, no, it's, it's all kind of like you're different. not. You're not having
1: sex. You basically <laughs> no. what you're doing is you know you're doing whatever it is you want to do. Whatever the person right. on the other side who's watching right. you're doing, uh, but it's not necessarily you're having it's actual not. sex.
2: There's a but you're talking about escorting, and I like I said. Let, let, yeah, um, yeah. Well,
1: let me tell me. Here's the. Yeah, let me give an example. Okay. Elias Spitzer, who was the governor, got caught. You know, number pay,
2: 14, you know, client number 14, 13, or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: But here's the thing. Yeah. All right. Um. Obviously, when you have an escort, you got to matter. You got somebody who's in charge. Okay. It,
2: you do. It is, you do. But, yeah. but, I mean, like, I'm friends with some escorts, <laughs> I'm friends with some of them, and a lot of them are just like on their own. Um, which can be dangerous, you know, that could definitely be dangerous. Like when they took off Backpage, which was basically like a site where people would go look for like sex workers, um, you know, that was pretty dangerous when they took that down because they couldn't screen their clients anymore. And, you know, anybody who's involved in escorting, like, I I say this so much, (laughs) so many girls, like you need to do your background. Like you don't know this guy. You don't know, like, if he's a serial killer or not. And that's why a lot of these girls sign up for escorting services, like entertainment companies. And I'm have quotation marks in my hand, um, because they do the screen screen search for you. They do they do the screening. They make sure you're safe. You know. Now what's the Now what's the versus a pimp versus a pimp who should not give a shit about you? You know. Yeah. Well, let
1: me ask you. Okay. Now, now, what's the relationship between, let's say the people running NASCAR, the Madame, whatever word you want to, who's ever running it.
2: I I the, wouldn't know really. I mean, if you want my honest and my honest opinion, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um. The my my friend who is an escort, she has her own client. She has her own website. You know, she does her own screening. She makes a hundred percent of the profits. Um. So I wouldn't know how a relationship would be between that, but I I assume it's not going to be like horrific. It's not going to be like your, your stereotypical pimp. You know, it's a business. And you treat it like a business. Yeah. You have to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, let me put the question back this way. Okay. If you're single. So here's the thing. I mean, all right. So I guess the question would be, to me, would be because you know, you know, we can distinguish between, let's say, those at an urban center who have the pimps who are mm-hmm. in a much different situation their trafficking, For sure. they probably they yeah. trafficking versus the now. Okay, does legalize how does legalize prostitution affect somebody? Would affect somebody like that, in your view? If we legalize prostitution, uh, you know, I think it would make
2: it safer because they wouldn't be you know scared. They wouldn't be like you know under the threat of some pimp. They'd be their own business person. You know? all right, oh, uh, that's how
1: I feel about yeah. it. Well, hold on, that thought. We're gonna, I'm gonna bring you right back here in a second. This is uh, the Donaldson Files with uh, Coco Koski. We're talking sex workers, we'll be talking drug legalization very briefly. Uh, we'll also talk about today is the day of the 1925 serum run to Nome, Alaska. A very oh, fascinating no. story with Bob Bato. That's right. So, here on <laughs> the Bachelor News Radio Network.
6: Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com.
7: Tune in the You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
1: Yeah, the Bachelor our website is the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. The Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. That is the official website where all of our shows can go on anytime. So if if you want to repeat this story, uh you can just simply uh click on the Donaldson files where you'll have all of our latest uh latest uh episodes you can go back to to get some of the best call it you know at your convenience so uh news radio network dot com okay now is your okay all right so your so your argument would be they would be safer under legalized oh law. yeah okay
2: yeah, that's yeah. that's All what right. really really threw them over. So now here's the um, other thing that
1: came into play. Yeah. Now the other thing too is okay, does this because obviously if you make it legal you have know, the purpose is to you know, if it's legal the purpose would be to be rid of organized crime. For example, uh during prohibition
0: for sure you know, organized
1: crime so But here's the thing. Surveys reported, and certainly this happened in Amsterdam, that the legalization of prostitution actually led to the emergence of organized crime, where you had gangs uh, trying to control the sections of those cities where they comply, the sex workers, in addition to – and so it didn't necessarily – so the experience would be, okay, it did not necessarily end up that way, at least. Uh, in Amsterdam, uh, I know they've closed uh, some of the. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've uh, they've closed. Here's what I was going to say. For example, well, there, it's legal ago, in Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Well, here's the thing. They said just for these scared, they closed down their famed red light district.
2: Oh, they did.
1: Yeah, and part of the reason um... high concert, concentration. I have to look that up for that. A you know, high concentration of organized crime, so in other words, for whatever reason did you know that's was their you know, so the question comes in play first of all, uh if that's indeed the case, that kind of defeats one of the purposes, but let me take this step even further, you know how do you eliminate that organized crime
2: well, or I is know there about
1: relationship that. i
2: don't I don't know about that all I know is like I want to you know help women. You know who are in this business. You know who do this to keep them safe. I mean, that's all I really care about. Um, organized crime. You know, we'll all we will always have organized crime. You know what I mean? It's it's not going to go away. Um, and I think you know it's really important for these girls to be safe out there, especially if they're doing this. Um, to really, you know, background search and and help them in any way possible. You know, there's an adult union um, for those of you who are in this work, blind line work. Yeah. Um, you can join this union and, you know, they offer health benefits, you know, they offer like insurance. Um, it's called APAG. Um, and, you know, that would help, you know, <laughs> so you don't have to be with the FIM, you know, you get insurance, you got, you know, um, you get benefits, health health care. Um yeah. so I think I think that's that's also an organization I'm involved with and I'm really, really proud of it, you know.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right, now let's go back to okay drug here's okay, drug legalization. Now, Oregon is the first uh state that you know, not just marijuana now I'm talking heroin, uh LSD, Oxycode. Well hard I mean drugs.
2: okay, can, can I can I mention can I talk about L S D for a moment? Um, yeah, so on. you know, I was like severely depressed for like the longest time and um, um, I actually take um, small doses of that like it's actually I go to, I go to a special doctor to see like a natural doctor you know um, for that it's a hallucinogen and um, what it does it actually like I don't know exactly how I explain it or how it works. But since I have been doing that, since I've been, you know, doing these treatments, um, my depression is like almost non-existent.
1: Okay. okay. So, repeat, okay. What's a, so what drug? Do you, again, repeat. You know, What's a drug? It's, it's,
2: it's is? like it's like LSD. <laughs> it's microdosing. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I don't go whacked out. I'm not whacked out when I'm on it. It's like a very, very small, low dose of it. And um, over like the year that I've been doing that. Um, it's really, it really helped with depression, um, anxiety. Um, you know, I, I'm all for that. I'm all, I'm all for that. Mm. Um, yeah. Heroin. So, now this is kind of like the libertarian view side of, you know, I don't feel like the government should yeah. like, regulate. Like, I totally believe the war on drugs is like absolute BS. I don't know if you've seen the documentary called crack on Netflix, but it is a must watch. Yeah. It is a must yeah. watch um, for you to understand how bad the the crack scene was back in the 70s and 80s like how horrific it was and because it was like illegal you know i mean people just like flocked for it um mm-hmm. like with mar- marijuana like um when it when our state became legalized it's so funny like i used to smoke a lot of it <laughs> and then once it became legalized i'm just like eh, i can just get it anywhere it's fine, like I'm not really like I, I haven't i don't really smoke it as much once it became legalized. Yeah. <laughs> I always find that really well, funny you know, well yeah you know, here's the i you know
1: to, i guess to me the question has always been is where do you you know how what's the' cause i because i already stated myself in my first book uh mm-hmm. economics one and one another talk, so I did in fact talk about the legalization of drugs favorite it uh and I still do uh. But
2: I'll tell you right now, Tom, I'll tell you right now, like I had a, uh, earlier this week, I had a, I had fibromyalgia and I had a flare up, yeah. like a really bad flare up. And like, I took maybe like two hits of pot and it like decreased, like m- something that not even my medication that yeah. my doctor would prescribe me would help. So I'm, um, I've always been pro marijuana for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's the other part, the, the point this, that to me is this: is that it's one thing to legalize it; it's quite another thing to be prepared. Because I don't, you know, because uh, I don't. I, my own view is very simple: you will always see more of something if it's legal. And I mean, I know you stated it, but I, I give an example. of This, you know, what if people don't realize is during prohibition. Uh, mm-hmm. The two things that happened. One thing that happened is overall alcohol decreased tremendously. I mean, it just went down for the obvious reason it wasn't available routinely, so you couldn't go. Uh, the other aspect is people moved to harder drugs or harder alcohol. You know, instead of buying beer yeah. and wine. Uh, yeah. I mean, because let's face it, it's the risk of getting caught with, let's say, you know, whiskey versus the risk of getting caught with beer were the same. I might as well go get the big high, the big butt.
2: Right. Uh, I mean, okay, but, like, so, like, I watch a lot of, like, I'm very interested in the drug world or whatever. Um, That sounded bad. Um, There is a drug out there called Crocodilla. Crocodilia, I don't know. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. And it is the cheapest drug known to mankind. It is the cheapest thing and it's the most dangerous thing. And what it does is that why it's called is because it will turn your skin into that of kind of like a crocodile. you will start having like, it's just a horrible drug. It's a horrible drug. And the reason people do that is because it's cheap, it's easy to make. um, And because, you know, cocaine or whatever is illegal. So they're going to, they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, a, I, uh, it's a, I, you know, you say to me is, you know, when I looked at this, because the, there were two realities. The reality, one, you did reduce the amount of alcohol. You can remember in the ninth, in the early part of the 20th century, you know, we didn't have the medical tech, care that we have today. And basically 3% of the population was actually addicted to something because once it wasn't just alcohol. You know, you had, you know, you know, Going into the 20th century, you know, you know various drugs, opium, uh, marijuana, you name it, it was in fact legal. So, I mean, yeah, everything
2: had, was legal at one point, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, you, and, could, and the thing is, yeah, you could literally, Tom, you could literally yeah. buy like cocaine from Sears catalog in like the early, the late 1800s, early 1900s. Like it was legal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah, yeah and, and, well, see, the thing that, to me is this
1: it's a catch 22. Uh, I don't you, know, you will you know see an increase in the use of drugs if it's legal. And the question but on the other side of the equation is you know you know what price do you have to keep it off the market because in the 1920s basically the mafia grew as a result of prohibition. Oh for you sure. Know, I mean that's,
2: that's my point. If you want yeah. to yeah. get rid of like illegal organizations well, like legalized drugs. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I was saying to myself, the other thing, you know, there, there was always this argument to me. So I heard this argument where somebody would say to me, "Look, you know, you know, marijuana today is much more powerful than, let's say, when bullshit. you were smoking it, Tom, 40 years bullshit. ago." And I was saying, "Yeah, bullshit." Well, yeah, I'm I'm not going to dismiss that, but what I'm going to say is this: if you have there a are market-
2: different doses you can take, Tom. It's not like I, I, I mean, I you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no. That's my here's my yeah. Here's the point I'm gonna make Here is if you legalize it, you have different doses. I mean, for example, you know, people drink beer, they drink wine, or if they want to go, you know, or they can drink whiskey, uh, depending. Right for you know, for a,
2: for a, for, on for the, a more for, of a drug. Like I actually, I, I'm not, I'm not, ki- I'm not kidding when I tell you this, Tom. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be shocked. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. When I started um, doing like my psychedelics, when I started um, <laughs> like smoking my, my marijuana every now and then I have completely cut off drinking completely. Mm-hmm. It, I honestly, yeah. I, I maybe drink and this is maybe once a month and it may, and it's like literally half a glass of wine yeah. compared to what well, I okay. used to drink compared yeah. to me well, drinking three or four times a day. Yeah. That completely makes sense. I mean,
1: that's, well, see, that's the other aspect of the market because then all of a sudden everybody came, they start competing,
2: and, and it's a different high. It's a different high. Like uh, when you're when you're on alcohol, yeah. like you are you are not thinking. Versus like marijuana, like you still have that partial, like you know, at least for me, you still know what you're doing. Like you can function. But I when I when I used to get drunk, like I want to know what the hell I was doing. But if I'm like smoking marijuana or whatever. You know, I I I understand what I'm doing. It's a totally different different tie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well like I say, I mean, that's about one of the few times you and I actually agree on something, so uh, Yeah,
2: I know, that's shocking.
1: uh, It's shocking, but yeah, well see like you say to me it's always been, you know would you know the other aspect the cost for policing. Uh and I would almost be like you say I know the chiefs don't like yeah you know, I'd love to hear what the chiefs will have to say mm-hmm. on this issue mm-hmm. down the road down the road
2: uh I mean to be honest like i I used to be into like heavy drugs like like you know cocaine and like you know all, I haven't done that in years, years um yeah. but i never I never got addicted to it. I think you know people are just like, oh, once you start drugs like whoa. No, my favorite part is once you start marijuana, you're gonna like go to the harder drugs. And I was like, no, I started with cocaine and then I went to marijuana. Well, yeah, you know, like, let, let me, let me, officers. yeah, but let me. I'm gonna follow. I'm
1: gonna follow that art because here's my point. I'll go back to the original argument. You know that the in uh, probation, what ended up happening is people went to the drugs with the most alcohol contacts. Uh, right. For and sure. To me, of
4: course. I mean, to mean, to mean, the
1: problem. You're right. Yeah, the problem running if you deal with marijuana in the old days, illegal marijuana, you're also dealing, you know, with the market of illegal drugs, and it and to me, it's always less opening gate as much as okay, what's the penalty for smoking marijuana versus, you know, cocaine? And the answer is, uh, they're the same. You go to jail. I don't
2: so, think they're the same. Not at all. Not
1: at all. No, no. Like, I, when I say, when I, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is. The you know, to get that buzz, first of all, you're you're being exposed to this. That's number one. Number two, right? You know, why not get a bigger buzz with something else if it's already legal? If you catch my, drift? yeah, and
2: then if you do too it, much, and, and penalty,
1: it. yeah, it's, it's true, but you know, you don't think of it. But my point is, is that the penalty to you is going to be the same, you're going to end up, right. and I guarantee you. The cost of the side of the equation, you know, because the marketplace is controlled by illegal people who have a monopoly. That was the other mm-hmm. aspect. They charged it. Okay. okay, now, before we get off the air, uh, we do yeah. got to talk about the the 1925 serum run to Nome, uh, featuring Balto and other sled dogs. And and, and for those people understand this, yeah, here's the thing. This was the story behind this. Is this? It's the middle of winter, Alaska. You know, anybody's been in Alaska in the winter, it's cold. It's probably minus zero degree weather. This is 1925. They had two. They had airplanes, two or three airplanes available, but well, I won't say they were available. They were basically shut up for the winter because number one, they were open cockpit, uh, and two, they were not going to be reliable. And very cold weather, so they basically just you know they basically you know put them off, and the pilots who actually were responsible were already back in the United States, so they didn't they had maybe one experienced pilot, and they came to the conclusion, okay, it's a 600 mile run in Nome, Alaska, where you have a diphtheria, and, <clears throat> and so basically they organized a sled ride of dogs. They had uh, 20 mushers, 150 sled dogs, traveling basically six, almost 700 miles. And we're talking middle winter, minus degree weather. And and the lead sled dog on the very stretch was a dog that has been immortalized, Balto. Uh, yeah. He was like the one. And so, but this is a good, this is an Story. I mean, people should read the story. Today's the day where they began this, and approximately, it's one of the historical stories because basically, you know, the mushers suffered severe injuries with, you know, they had people with frostbite. People with frostbite. Right. Uh, one of the cases where these one of the boxes of serum, you know, fell off, and they had to go back, and literally, one guy had to basically feel around to make sure there was no. You know, there was nothing. You know, there were no serum that like, got out, so he ended up frostbiting his hands. Uh, so, you know, a few of the dogs actually, you know, perished in this ride. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, and so, and of course, like I could say Boto is the dog that becomes
2: famous. Uh, you know, what, right. Yeah. You, you know, what do you You brought that up. So, what do you know about Boto? So, oh my God! It was my favorite movie as a child, Tom. Um yeah, everyone knows Balto. His uh, his owner's daughter was sick and she needed the vaccine and there was no way to get it. So he and a group of other dogs went and went through this tre- treacherous winter and almost died. Obviously, the Disney movie and they're out there actually killed Balto or his companions. And um short story, he gets the vaccine to her in time and she recovers. And that's yeah. the story of Balto. Yeah.
1: Yeah, all right. So we're going to end on that story of the the bravery of Balto. Another about 150 dogs and 20 mushers today. The famous ride to Nome to carry diphtheria uh, serum. All right. Yeah. So that's Tom Donaldson. This is Coco Krasny. We are saying good night.
2: Good night. And
1: and fare thee well. And tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh well, I'm still working. We got a couple of guests on the line, and we also will be um, James Gilmore, uh, former uh, former lieutenant, uh, former governor of Virginia, also an ambassador uh, in the Trump administration, talking to join us as well on his show. So, Tom Donaldson, saying good night on the Donaldson Files and Ambassador News Radio Network.
3: That had I not had my shirt on, my uniform shirt on, and had once he arrived at my window, I reached in that console, that I would have been shot if not killed that day.
6: That day, July 31st, Officer Jackson was heading to work from Birmingham to Huntsville on Interstate 65 North when she was pulled over in Bluntsville.
3: It's not one time when I'm approaching that area that I don't think about that traffic stop.
6: She says she passed an officer running radar on the side of the road, and they made eye contact.
3: And I I saw him quickly approaching me, so I knew I was going to be stopped.
6: But what she didn't know was what was going to happen during that stop. She says she asked the officer why she was being pulled over. And he
3: kind of stuttered, uh, uh, where you were falling too close. And I had a dazed look. I kind of looked at him. Then he said, and you were on your phone. I said, no, sir. She
6: says then the officer appeared agitated.
3: It went from... Him being shocked that I was in uniform to, it appeared to me as kind of insulted.
6: Jackson says for several moments, both officers belittled her. She says she knew things could have escalated and ended bad for her. But she says what hurts the most is this same story is happening to African Americans all across the country. And they don't have a badge to keep them alive.
3: If I stop you. With no probable cause and and you're driving and you know you didn't do anything wrong. What happens is what happened to me. I was tired, frustrated. It has to stop. And I owe black and brown people this. That change is here. And I'm going to do everything that I can to educate people. I'm going to do everything that I can to remove the fear of being stopped.
6: In Birmingham, Xavier Harris, WVTN 13. Officer Jackson filed a complaint with the Warrior Police Department. We reached out to the department for a comment and was told the chief will be back in the office tomorrow.
8: Hey, we want to welcome everyone to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, We're glad that everyone is able to join us uh, this afternoon for uh, our first show uh, uh, in reference to Black History Month. Uh, It's going to be... uh, Black History Month on You and the Law Podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, the uh, audio recording that we just listened to, we have, uh, she's going to be a guest on our show. Her name is uh, Dee Janae Jackson, uh, and she is uh, out of Birmingham, Alabama. She had a, a Facebook uh, Live uh, video that went viral uh, back in July of, of last year. So we've got her own, As a guest uh, for our first show for Black History And we're excited about that But without further ado uh, I need to introduce our listeners If this is your first time listening to you in the law um, My, well, let me say this right So he is the host of the show And I am the co-host of the show so, and the host of the show goes by the name of Cheese Swaggity Swag. How you doing, Bird? Hey, man.
9: You know what? I, I don't. I don't pay you to make mistakes, man. You should. You should. You should just say right off the bat, the host of the show, man. I don't pay you to make mistakes, so next time get it right, man.
8: Next time get it right. Okay. All right. Well, you know That's what? Good. What's going on? It's What's it's, going on, brother Bird? It's, 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 not a whole lot, man. Until, until you give me a salary increase, I'm just going to do what I do.
9: Man, okay. All right.
8: Well, <laughs> okay. Hey, duly, hey, duly,
9: duly noted, bro. Duly noted.
8: <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, Keith, we're going to bring our guest on the line with us. Uh, she is a, a fabulous young lady out of Birmingham, Alabama. I've had the uh, pleasure of speaking with her. Uh, a couple of times and uh we're just so glad that she's able to uh to take uh some time to join us on you and along the back of the news radio network and so we're gonna say uh good afternoon to miss jackson how you doing?
3: I'm doing good and you all?
8: Oh doing good. You're doing good, Miss Jackson. Thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and you know when you say Miss Jackson, it, it has such authority with it. So I just wanted to say Miss Jackson. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So, uh, listeners, uh, this is uh, Dejanay Jackson. Uh, she is a federal officer out of uh, this. That she lives in Birmingham, and uh, and we're going to get into talking a little bit about uh, what happened to her back in July, but. Uh, as we kick off Black History Month, it's it's really important that we talk about uh, African Americans and law enforcement, men and women. And uh, uh, your story, uh, when I when I saw it, I, you know, I immediately reached out to you. It Took us some time to connect, and uh, but you know, the things that you experience are things that everyday citizen experience, and I don't think a lot of people really realize that even being black in a uniform that you're subject to the things that that ordinary citizens uh deal with every day and and i'll say this i think a lot of people think that police officers get special treatments uh there's you know we're above the law and we're not above the law Uh, i think there there is some some courtesy given to police officers all around the country and uh but i think there's a big difference when uh when you are treated in such a manner that it makes you feel like, well, if I'm being treated this way, I'm pretty sure other people that look like me are being treated
3: the same. Right. So. And uh, you know what? But, go ahead. It, it's, it's funny uh, what you just said is so true because that was said to me during my traffic stop you think you're above the law. That was wow. said to me during my traffic stop. Really? You know, we spoke
8: yesterday, and you brought up the fact that, did you see this officer with a body cam uh, on, on on his uniform throughout the, this traffic stop encounter?
3: Yes, sir. Um, it, because he even made mention of the body cam when he, he okay. approached my vehicle, and he began to humiliate me and try to intimidate me and belittle me. At that point, he then yells to his backup partner, oh, she works for U.S. Customs. Oh, I know I can feel a complaint coming on. Let me turn this on right now. Now, you and me both know that body cam should have been on the moment that he stepped out of his patrol vehicle. So the question exactly. is, did he turn it on or did he turn it off that day?
8: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ms. Jackson, kind of uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you, uh, but I tell you what, we're coming up on our first break, so we're going to take this first break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about you, but you're listening to you and the law on the back of the news radio network.
4: You know, before Boost, our phone bill was obscene. So, we switched to Boost and got lines for the whole family with unlimited gigs for a much more family-friendly price. It's nice to have a phone bill that doesn't require parental controls. Your family deserves better. Get four lines for only $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. Plus, get up to four free Samsung J7 perks with six months of Hulu where you can stream all the shows everyone is talking about. All on the super reliable and super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch.
7: Switching makes it easy to save. Back to you and the law, uh, the broadcast uh, with Chief uh, Keith Green and uh, uh, Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey on the Bass News Radio Network 646 929 0130, the number to get in touch with Chiefs and uh, their special guest, DJA uh, uh, Jackson. Uh, you can hit us up in the uh, chat room too with your questions and comments and uh, on their Facebook page. As well. Back to Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey.
8: Hey, we want to welcome everyone back and we want to thank LA for bringing us back on. But you are listening to a special edition of You and the Law throughout the the month of February. We're going to be talking about uh, Black History uh, Month and uh, African Americans that are in law enforcement uh, and the contribution that they have uh, given to law enforcement, uh, both men and women. And uh, today we have a special guest on the show, uh, DeJanae, and uh, we want to get right back to her so she can uh, tell all of our listeners about her. How did you get involved in law enforcement? And um, just a little bit about your background and, and, and where you're from. So our listeners around the... Uh, the globe can know about Miss Jackson?
3: Well, um, I uh, I received a degree in criminal justice. Um, I always had a desire to help people, and I've been an athlete my whole life, so I was very athletic. So I said, what better career to go into uh, than law enforcement? Um, I started my career in 2005 at Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. In uh, which I served about two years, a um, little less than two years, uh, in the jail and corrections first. And then I uh, went out on patrol, and I was on patrol maybe a year and a half. Um, and then I uh, was selected for advice and narcotics, which I served um, almost four years there. And I worked uh, alongside several task force with the FBI and DEA and ATL. Um, And then in 2014, uh, I began my federal uh, career with uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, where I have been since then. Um, I'm the baby girl of uh, three brothers, it's it's four of us, and I am from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, born and raised. And I have um, lived in Vermont, I've lived and worked in Vermont, I've lived and worked in uh, Appalachian, Texas. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, Atlanta, Georgia. Now I am currently working out of Huntsville, Alabama. So that's a little bit about me.
8: Okay. All right. Well, well, you definitely have uh, you've got a, a really good uh, law enforcement uh, background, and uh, you know, and, and one of the things that you know we're going to be talking about is just the challenges that. Uh, 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 black women face, uh, whether you're in federal law enforcement or just in, in municipal or county law enforcement, or even as a state trooper. So, uh, we definitely, uh, you know, thank you for your service. And because a lot of people, you know, don't realize the the things that women go through just to, to get their foot in the door. So, uh, definitely thank you. But, uh, uh, chief swag, uh, you, you, What's going on? You, you're kind of quiet over there, man. You're being quiet with me. Well, no, man. <laughs> you know? No,
9: no, no, no. I wasn't going. I was gonna. I, I, I'm a gentleman, man. I allow ladies to finish their uh, their comments. You, on the other hand, I, I interrupt you on purpose. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Miss Jackson, I, I do have a question for you. So, um, you were saying that when he approached the car, the first thing out of his mouth was oh, she works for customs, I know I'm going to get a complaint. Is this even before he even started talking to you or introducing himself or any type of dialogue with you regarding why you were stopped?
3: Well, no, it wasn't right off the bat. Um, When he he approached the vehicle, he was startled, okay? He approached the vehicle. He he looked surprised when he saw my uniform. So it was after I asked him, sir, what reason was I stopped because I know I wasn't speeding, I wasn't doing anything. This is what I'm saying to myself. So I asked him and then that's when he got agitated, I guess, because I asked him that question. And that's when he said, Oh, oh, you think? oh, Doo, you work with U S Customs and he tells his buddy that, oh, she works for US Customs. Let me go ahead and turn this on because I, I already know a complaint is coming. And see, there wow. was a dialogue would... in between before he so-called "quote unquote" turned his mic on.
9: Right, you know, I'd be interested to see. Um, I'd be interested to see that. I'd be interested to see their policies. You know, because you know, why would you not turn that camera on as soon as you get out of the car? You know, to to capture right. all of the, all the encounter. But you know, I've I've been there before. I know what You know, I can't say I know what that's. Particular incident, but I've I've been in in, in similar incidents. And and let me ask you this: Do you find yourself on a daily basis hearing people say things about law enforcement? And and I'm sure, like a lot of officers of color, oh no, everybody's not like this. We try to do the right thing, uh, you know. And then bam, this happens to you know that this incident happened to you. I mean, do you find yourself doing that sometimes, defending law enforcement or Speaking up on
3: for law enforcement in a positive way,
9: um, you know, especially being in your in your profession.
3: Well, you know, I've I've been doing this a long time, and I'm sure you all have been long, you know, doing it longer than me. Um, but this wasn't the first time. Okay, this wasn't okay. the first time that I have been racially profiled before. But to the extent oh, wow. that I was in my uniform, and to the extent of these two people. Coming at me the way that they were and telling me I think I'm above the law and I'm this and I'm that and just you know I know here in Alabama when they when they ran my plate they could have saw everything that they needed to see and for this this backup officer to ask me well do you have driver's license okay now let you know let's be honest I I work for the federal government (laughs) do you really think that I would not have driver's license that's number one. So he asked to see my driver's license. Then secondly, he said, "Well, do you have insurance on the car?" And I said, "Sir, with well, all due respect, I know that you can obtain that information from my tag. See, because now at this point, I under, I see what they're doing. Okay, now you're antagonizing me. So then I I said, my insurance is on my cell phone. I give him my cell phone. He sees it. Well, do you have registration on the vehicle? I mean, they take me all the way through here. Like wow. I mean, it, I I I can't I, I you not. And as I'm giving him everything that he asked for, he's steadily mouthing off at me. And I said, sir, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm simply trying to give you everything that you're asking for from me. That's all I'm trying to do. I said, I'm not going to argue with you all here on the side of this road. But to answer your question, that has always been, you know, a question. You know, when when what I have learned and what I've experienced in law enforcement is that even that day, it wasn't about the uniform. They didn't see the uniform. They saw a black female. That's what they saw.
1: But exactly. typical
3: civilians, when they see the uniform, they are reminded of a bad experience that they encountered with a law enforcement officer. And I've had to stop people at times and say, hey, look, I understand that you had a bad experience, but I'm not that officer, you know. And then once we get into whatever I'm you know, investigating or the case may be, they quickly see you you are not that officer that I had that encounter with, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, since my traffic stop, I've I've received hundreds, and when I tell you I I can I can document them all, I can show them all from federal law enforcement officers, from federal corrections officers, from FBI agents, DEA agents, ICE agents, local police officers, local uh, a local and 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 um and sheriff's deputies from all over the United States. That says I've been done the same way. But Mm -hmm. you still have these people that believe that, oh, you know, we're just making this up. This is just another black person that's saying that they was racially profiled. But when I have, when I tell you numerous, numerous of messages from all over this country expressing their concern and frustration of how they've been done the same way, there's a problem. Ms.
9: Ms. Jackson, let me ask you this let me ask you this what have you found out about that department as far as the uh these type of actions the history uh this officer uh this particular officer what have you what have you learned
3: well, let's just say I went to court last Tuesday. I represented myself. I pled guilty back, in not, not guilty back in October of last year. So, therefore, I had a trial on last Tuesday in which I represented myself. And what I did determine and, and, and I was able to observe is that um, the officer, uh, he, he stated and said to himself he has a bad memory, okay, that he was not even prepared for court, okay, that there was body camera <laughs> but footage, but that wasn't presented at court. Now, I'm just stating facts here. Okay, about the wow. officer. As far as the department goes, I I can. Comp- I filled out I typed a written formal complaint and which was turned in one week from the date of the incident. The date of the incident was July the thirty first, twenty twenty. I turned in a written complaint to the chief one week from that date. Here it is, February the is it the first? What's the date?
8: The second February second. The, second, the second.
3: Okay. And guess what? I have not heard one word. I haven't received an email or phone call, a letter in the mail. I haven't received anything from that police department.
8: You know, Keith, wow. when she shared that with me yesterday that, you know, she filed a, uh, a, a complaint just like any citizen would, would file. And the fact that here it is, you know, we're going into another year and that agency has not even replied to her complaint, says a lot about how the top administration is and the fact that they really have basically just kind of, you know, blown it off and said it it doesn't really even, it's not even worthy of acknowledging. And I asked her this question because this has gained a lot of, uh, she's gained a lot of news exposure from not just in Alabama, but around, around the country. And when I saw, you know, Attorney Crump even shared her video, and and so when he does that, and she's you know, Roland Martin has even done the same thing. So this is has, has been, it's it's known what happened to her is known, but it's almost like these people have just dismissed what their officer did and the fact that she filed a, a, a formal complaint that deserves to be investigated, and as a citizen. She deserves some type of uh, a reply to that, and so it, it just kind of well, goes to show you where people are at at the top.
9: Yeah, or at least acknowledgement that it was received.
2: Uh
9: yeah. You know, uh, and, and and you know now uh, even you know even even if you have an attorney, you have a legal advisor. Uh, there's nothing that says you won't acknowledge uh, that you know that 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 was received or anything like that. But that's just weird. Um, the, yeah. How large is the department, Miss Jackson? If you don't mind me asking, you know how large it is? is um, it large maybe
3: I would. No, I would say it's a small police department. I would say maybe ten, maybe fifteen officers at most. But I, I will tell you this: I received several uh, messages on Facebook from people expressing, and I'm not talking about law enforcement now. I'm going to civilians that expressed to me the same, and almost, there was this one lady that the situation in traffic stop was almost identical to mine. She said that they accused her of speeding or something, dogged her out and cussed her out on the side of the road, gave her a ticket or two, and when she got to court, the ticket was dismissed. Okay? But then I had several people, even white and African-Americans, expressed to me the same thing that they had encountered in that same area, in that same area. And if you're from Alabama, there's, there's no secret about that area. There's no,
8: it's no mm-hmm. secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey guys, we're, we're going to be coming up on our, on, on our next break and we're actually at that, at that moment, but Hey, we're going to take this quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to finish our discussion with, uh, with Miss Jackson, but you're listening to you and the law on the Back of the News radio network.
6: I'm Bracton Booker, an assistant
7: editor here at Tell Me More, and my black history icon is Malcolm X. In his 39 years of life, he was a hoodlum, a racist, an inmate, and a Muslim who was militant in the fight for civil rights. But that's not why I admire him. More than the any means necessary mantra that has become his enduring legacy, I love Malcolm X's willingness to eschew racism and evolve into a human rights activist. Here he is in 1964
8: talking to reporters about his pilgrimage to Mecca.
6: I had close contact with Muslims whose skin would in America be classified as white and with Muslims who themselves would be classified as white in America. But these particular Muslims didn't call themselves white. They looked upon themselves as human beings, as part of the human family.
8: Those words couldn't be more relevant today as the U.S. Homeland Security Committee considers hearings on the radicalization of the Muslim community.
7: Back to you and the law on the Bassett News Radio Network 646-929-0130 the number to reach Chief Green Chief Humphrey and uh, their special uh, guest the U.S. Customs uh, Agent uh, D.A. Jackson Uh, question for uh, Mr. Jackson um, and sort of a a comment um, at the same time I, I I, for one, have experienced, uh, my name is L.A., uh, I've experienced, um, you know, driving while black with officers of both colors, of, of black and white, pulling me over. Um, shame, shame to the ones that look like me, but too blue to understand it. But I, I want to just kind of say that as a civilian, um, without coming off the wrong way, um, welcome to the party. Civilians go through this all the time, and I'm not taking away from anybody's experience as a, a law enforcement officer being mistreated, especially if you're black, especially if you're a black woman. So, I guess the question or the comment and question would be uh, to you, ma'am uh, you know, has that made you more sensitive to our people in particular? that go through this on a regular basis every day of the week?
3: Well, to be honest with you, like I told you, this is not my first experience, and I've, I've always been quick to tell. And in, in most cases, you know, in the majority of cases, when you talk to, you know, someone here, in, in my experience, it's always been a black male, okay, when you talk about them being racially profiled. And I've always expressed my, my my concern and my understanding to them because I've always drove a nice vehicle and my vehicles has been profiled as if maybe there's a guy driving those vehicles. So this is nothing new for me. It stems all the way the beginning, you know, starting out in law enforcement. But I've, I've always been sensitive to others because I know how I've always conducted myself as a law enforcement officer. I've never been one to pull someone over that I did not have probable cause to do so. So I've never been one to violate people's constitutional rights. So as far as being sensitive, that's always been because that I've always taken pride in my job and my position, and I've never abused it. So I've always been You know, sensitive to to those experiences and those traumatic and and, you know and sad experiences that people have experiences, civilians have experienced. But that day was the day it just it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because now, I mean, we we got the Black Lives protests going on, and it things was just amped up even further and higher. And then you're gonna do me like this in my uniform, not only because I'm a black woman, but it, you, you've t- taken it to a whole nother level now These are extremely bad But as far as the sensitivity It's always been there
8: Well and, and you know And I have to add to that I think you know uh, Especially when we talk about Black women in law enforcement Just how you all How black women are treated uh, The obstacles that uh, That are put before uh, Women to get into this profession And uh, there's probably some stories that some women probably won't even tell uh, uh, about uh their getting their foot in, into the door. And I just don't think a lot of men really respect uh, women uh, who uh, want to get into this field. And, you know, I, you know, Keith, you know, we've had this conversation on the, on the show that we have a, and I shared this with, uh, uh, with Janae the other day, That, you know, right here in the state of Oklahoma, you know, there's only been in the history of the Oklahoma Highway Highway Patrol, one black female trooper. Now, there's been countless of white female troopers that have been hired over the past 20, almost 20 years, but there's never been another black female trooper. There hasn't been another um, uh, Latino uh, trooper hired. Uh, And so... You have to ask yourself when you talk about recruiting, are you really doing everything you can to recruit especially women into a field that you that you're saying that you really want, and especially when you have so many historical black colleges we have one here in in Oklahoma Langston University has a good criminal justice program but Keith, you know we've asked ourselves this question if you really are trying to recruit minorities, why are you making the obstacle so hard, especially when People go through background checks, uh, and, and all of a sudden, things that are normally not even uh, scrutinized are now scrutinized because it's a African American applicant. So uh, it, it's just it's really disturbing uh, to see how black women are treated uh, when they want to get into this profession.
9: Well, because the background check, depending on the organization and depending on who's running the background it can be it can be designed to meet the needs or not meet the needs of that individual. It just depends on mm-hmm. which, just depends on how they're feeling that day uh it it yeah. is it is uh you know i think the the worst thing that well one of the things that we don't do in law enforcement we' said this before in l a and, and I've talked about this previously we don't do audits of our processes. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't um, we don't utilize those early intervention plans also uh, regarding the officer's behavior. But when I say audits, uh, I guarantee you, uh, I would feel safe in saying that the the police department in question uh, there was there's no video audit process in place. I guarantee you, there's no body camera policy in place. If it is, it's very very vague. Uh, mm-hmm. I guarantee there's not a complaint process. I guarantee if you were to ask that officer what the complaint process is, he would just basically say, Call the chief or whatever um, I better guarantee you they they there's nothing that says if someone makes make a complaint you 'll call a supervisor on scene so so it doesn't it 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 shocks me in twenty twenty one these things are continually happening. And what I've heard Ms. Jackson say not one time, well, let me go back. Not one time have I heard, have I heard Ms. Jackson say that uh, she was expecting any kind of special treatment. Not one exactly. time have I heard her say that if, if I was violating the law, then, you know, man, do your job. I haven't heard that. But I do believe that she did deserve uh, at least uh, uh, respect. Uh, for the fact that she was a fellow law enforcement officer. Uh, whether or not you were going to write her a ticket or not, you always show people respect. Uh, you don't argue with people, and I tell people that. You don't argue with people. That, you know, you, If you're going to issue the person a ticket, you issue the person a ticket. You don't scold the person. That's right. You don't belittle a person. Uh, you don't lecture a person. You write the citation. You tell that individual. You may not agree with it, but you have some options. You know, you can pay the fine or sit at the court. Uh, you can do that. And you have less, there's a there's a minimal chance that you're going to get any type of pushback when you do that. Person may not be happy, but at the end of the day, you left that person with their dignity. And, um, right. but, but, but to say, oh, let me turn on my camera now. That just kind of lets you know, kind of makes you wonder how many traffic stops have been made. Uh, and how many, you know, how many complaints haven't been uh, submitted, uh, and how many complaints that they ha- complaints that they have been submitted, how many of them have been ignored? That's it's just that's just a um, uh, that's puzzling to me. And, well, and, and well, Miss me- Jackson, let me let me tell you let me tell you this. As a police chief, I want to apologize for that agency. Uh, for the way that, you know, that that you were treated and the way that you continue to be treated based on the fact that you can't even get a phone call back. Uh, So I want to say I apologize on behalf of, 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 you know, local law enforcement agencies throughout the nation.
3: Yes, sir. I will say that I actually did the opposite. Because they both stood at my window and tried to ridicule me and, 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 and belittle me, that's when I stopped him and I said, sir, either you're going to write me a ticket or you're not.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Because what wasn't going to happen is you, you're not going to talk to me like a child. You understand what I'm saying? And he tried to tell me, well, I understand, Ms. Jackson, that you may work federal law enforcement, but here in the state of Alabama, you know, the following two closed laws says X, Y, Z. And I let him finish. And I said, sir, I do know the law. I said, and just to let you know, I worked nine years locally, so I do know the law here in Alabama, and that's what really, I think, uh, because they thought they were going to sit there and belittle me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that intimidated him even more, but they were just trying to chastise me. And I told him at that time, sir, are you going to write me a ticket or you are not? And that's when he said, well, I sure am, and he stormed off. But uh, I agree with you. When you you decide someone gives you probable cause to pull them over, you walk up to that window, you introduce yourself, that was never done. What department you work with, that was never done. That's why it's so much conflicting of where and who gave me the the, the, the the citation. Because come to find out, he was working for Warrior PD, but the ticket says Blunt PD in Blount County, and I was in Jefferson County. Now, you helped me make sense of all that.
8: Yeah, that's what she, she was sharing she with totally
3: different counties.
8: Yeah. Yeah, that's what she was sharing with me when we were uh, talking uh, that there's this conflict uh, as to uh, where was this officer actually working at, you know, Uh, in the fact that even when you made the comment earlier that he said that he has a bad memory, uh, that even questions, that even questions, why is this, why is this dude even in a uniform, if you've got a bad memory, and let's say you go out here and you shoot somebody, and they're, they're a minority, and, and next thing you know, you're going to sit there and say, um, I really don't know what happened. So, right. you know, there's a lot of questions about – because the majority of our police departments around the country are, are small and rural police departments. And these small and rural police departments often have officers working for multiple agencies. Um, And it's just the culture. And, you know, Ms. Jackson, me and uh, Chief Humphrey, we've we've talked about this on our show before, is the culture of law enforcement has to change. But you continue to see weekly, if not every other week, things that happen. And it makes you wonder, like, okay, we're in 2021. Why is this stuff still happening? And, you know, there was just in Georgia – uh, just it was just released that a Georgia uh, uh, police chief and an officer, these, and I'm just going to say it, these two dummies, they, they said that the body cameras didn't work on both of their uniforms. So these two dummies, they're just talking like everything is just cool, but they're sitting there talking, having these racist comments, talking about slavery and talking about, well, you know, black people, they all they had to do was just get out in the field and work. They gave him a place to stay. But here it is, you, you, the, and I looked this, this city up, you know, it's predominantly a white city, but it has a black mayor. But, Keith, these are things that's happening that should not be happening, and it's almost like people giving, you know, they make an excuse to say, well, yeah, yeah, that is right. I mean, he shouldn't have said it, but, you know, he really didn't mean it. Now, come on. I mean, we're way past time for, you know, making excuses for these bad behaviors. But, like, you know, listen, guys, we're getting ready to come up on our, on our, on our next break. Uh, but we want to remind listeners that you're listening to you and the Law the Bachelor News Radio Network. And the calling number to the show is 646-929-0130. And if you miss any of, of, of the show live, you can definitely catch us out on the, on the uh, podcast. Uh, at the Bachelor News Radio Network.com and catch out all of our shows on our, on our website. But, guys, we're going to take another break, but uh, we'll be right back. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
5: I'm Sam Fulwood, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress and occasional guest on Tell Me More. No public figure made a more positive impression on me than former heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali. Sure, Ali, who was born Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr., was an outstanding boxer. By most accounts, including his own, he is the greatest of all time. But it isn't Ali's power in the ring that I most admire. Ali represents what beautiful, bold black manhood can be. He challenged the leading conventions of his day, including the Christian church, by becoming an acolyte of Malcolm X and joining the Nation of Islam, and he fought and defeated the U.S. government, refusing to bear arms in the Vietnam War. Of course, being a free man has its price, and Ali played dearly. He was denied access to boxing for three and a half years at the prime of his career. Within four years of returning to boxing, he regained the heavyweight title in 1974 with an upset victory over George Foreman. An interviewer later remarked that Ali was the second most popular man in the world behind the president and then asked him if he wanted to be president. Ali told him, America's in too much trouble. I don't want that job now. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Ali I love. He retired from boxing in 1981. He remains an example of what is the greatest in America.
7: back to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, I'm L.A. Bachelor, and if you missed any part of this show or any of the You and the Law broadcast, you can go to, to the website uh, to check it out on the You and the Law page, thebachelornewsradionetwork.com, thebachelornewsradio.com. I'm going to go back to Chief, Chief Humphrey, Chief Virgil Green, and their special guests.
8: All right, we want to welcome everyone back to you and DeLong, the Bachelor News Radio Network. And we had a, a question from David uh, from Brooklyn asked if all of the officers on the scene were white. Uh, he also asked if, uh, if you uh, think it would have been uh, – if, if it would have been differently if the officers were black, Ms. Jackson.
3: Uh yes, both the both officers uh the first officer he was a younger officer uh and the second officer was a veteran and they both were white. They both were white on the scene. I think they may have one black officer that works for the department, uh but he was not on scene. Um and you know what? I have been stopped once by a black male officer and um he asked me where I was going. I said, I was actually, I was working with the sheriff's department, and I, I uh, was going to pick up my check. And then he said he walked off and he said, oh, well, have a good day, but this is the reason why I stopped you. Um, I've only had that experience with a black male officer, um, but I do believe that these two officers just had an issue. You understand? I, I, I believe mm-hmm. that it's not that I believe, I know. I know that they had an issue. They had some ego issues. They had some self-esteem issues. They had. Um, they felt that they had a point to prove with me that day, and um, they 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 were uh, extremely. The way that they acted is if they were extremely intimidated.
8: Yeah, but well, uh, we want to, you know, listeners. We want to remind you that if you're uh, on the line listening, if you would like to come on live uh, and ask our our guest, Miss Jackson, some questions. Uh, just let the uh, producer know and he'll, uh, he's screening the calls. If you want to just uh, listen to the show, be, be my guest and listen, but we've got a lot of people that are that are on listening to the show, but if you want to come on and, and ask our guest a, a question, uh, please just let uh, the producer know uh, when when he gets to you. So, uh, you know, Ms. Jackson, this is a, this has been a problem uh, for a very long time uh, and you yeah, know very- the the saying "Driving while Black," you know, racial profiling uh, occurs, and and this is a good example of someone being in uniform, uh, exp- having those, those same experiences as as regular citizens. And, and I've it's been shared with me with friends of mine that's that's in Oklahoma uh, that they have been in uniform stopped within other neighboring. Uh, Suburbs in the Oklahoma City Area and uh, and It's a surprise when the officer Walks up and sees you See them in a uniform But they continue to go through The the same thing as if You're just another black man Or a black woman Uh, And so but you see Just the opposite when You hear about white guys Talking about it oh yeah man my buddy So and so pulled me over and man, you know, we, whatever, whatever, but it's, it's all nice. But when that encounter is with a black uh, police officer, it's it's handled totally different. And the, the sad part about it is the fact that you can be working with these guys at at some point uh, where you might back them up or they may back you up, but this is just a, a problem that has been going on for a long time within this culture of policing where, uh, but, you know, you made a point when you said, you know, we're talking about black lives, but then you, you made the, the comment earlier about blue lives. So when, you, when people bring up Black Lives Matter, the first thing you're going to hear is, well, what about blue lives matter?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's always that comeback statement. And 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 it's just like I've explained before. I've never, I've never said that black lives mean more than any other life, and I don't think that anybody that says that means that. All we're simply saying is, we matter. Our lives matter. We want to be treated equally. We want to be treated fairly. That's all that I know. When I say it, that's exactly what I mean. And I feel like anybody else that says that and expresses that, that's exactly how they, they feel as well. And I'm going I'm to mm-hmm. comment on one of the uh, statements that you made about um, that I could have been his backup. That's the very thing that I expressed to the chief immediately after the traffic stop when I went to complain. I said, sir, do you not know that I travel this road ten times a week, two times a day, heading north and south. I said, he said, that's the same thing I was thinking. They, they may need your backup one day. But they're not <laughs> wow. thinking of looking at it like that. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? You you yeah. all know that what some bad things happen on the side of the road when it comes to law enforcement is you mm. and that person in that car. And that's not far-fetched to say or think that that could happen one day. you got somebody pulled over and I see a gun or I see you fighting or tussling. And you didn't done, done me like this, yeah. Not a good thing,
8: yeah. No, it, it, you're right. And and I want to go back to something. You know, I mentioned about the 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 chief in Georgia and the and and his officers. You know, just the, when we talk about black women, uh, these two guys talked about the Atlanta mayor, even about having sex with her. They talked about her and Stacey Abrams. So. These are two people who are supposed to who have, who have taken an oath to uphold the, their ordinances, the state laws, federal laws, whatever it may be. But here they are openly talking about two high-profile black women—one uh, in one in Atlanta, uh, well, both you know, both in Georgia, Stacey Abrams and, and the mayor of Atlanta—about sleeping with them. And so it, it right. makes you scratch your head. Is that you got I don't care what age you are that th- those those things are unacceptable, Keith, when our leaders are having these conversations about black women, so that lets you know even without the body cameras, and these two dummies had body cameras on, but they didn't think they worked, and the way they discovered that they were working was they took them in to have them. Uh, the maintenance done on them, and it was determined that the that the memory was full. So when they <laughs> went to <laughs> when they went to listen to this stuff, it was just like, oh my god! But it goes to show you that the people on the other side who who discovered this, they didn't hide it; that they released this to the mayor, and the mayor was just as shocked, and you wow. know, ended up basically asking the, the chief to resign and the other officer to resign, but he didn't want to, and he was terminated. So, Keith, this is – but, you know, and, Keith, we ask ourselves, why does this stuff continue to happen? And it's just like it's, it's going to happen, it's going to continue to happen, because we're going to continue to have these kind of conversations. Well, birds, think about this.
9: Uh, this, is what, this is what they were caught saying. Uh, these aren't the things that they've probably been saying or been saying to other individuals prior to the video, the audio coming mm-hmm. out. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you kind of think about it as a chief. Uh, why would you have that kind of conversation with one of your officers? I oh, mean, why yeah. would you? Why would you even allow one of your officers to come and have that kind of conversation? You know, with you and 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 it's it's you know, um, it just but but like you said. Uh, you got to commend the people that came forward because you know e- that could have probably easily uh, now unless it was the camera company that was that was doing it, but if it was another officer, uh, another employee that came forward and revealed that, you got to hats off to that person uh, mm-hmm. because uh, like you said, that could have easily been deleted. You know that could have easily been swept under the rug. And I don't know, and I and I said this, Miss Jackson, and if you've listened to our show before, uh, I don't know why, uh, you know, uh, I don't know why this continues to happen. Um, I don't know why. It's just it's just crazy. And you know, and you know, well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's, I'd like it's, to this it's
3: well, it Well, it's continuing to happen because there's no accountability. Okay, you know, if, if if I can just walk off a job and just turn my stuff in, I can just go to the next job and do the same thing, or I can go find another job that pays me just as well. But you start tapping into pensions. You understand? You start firing people, and guess what? You'll never be a law enforcement officer again. Okay, because you know what? If a physician uh, is found – um. Uh, guilty of malpractice if you go in for surgery and you're supposed to have surgery on your right foot and he couldn't make a mistake and amputate the wrong foot he's going to lose his license he's done all those years that he he put into college all that money that he spent he's done as a doctor he's pretty much done he's not going to get any more insurance and it needs to be the same thing with law enforcement It, it needs to be the same thing it's been going on way too long these people have gotten yeah. too comfortable in just mistreating people, and that's a norm for them on a daily basis. I can just break the law, I can just bend the rules. You know what? I don't have to. What's the policy? So what? Right? Yeah. And
6: You, exactly. and you know
3: what, Miss
9: Jackson? I will. I will say that there, there are a few states that they do hold those officers accountable. Uh, that uh, we, we used to call them gypsy cops, and they go from department mm-hmm. to department to department. Is you know, well I don't want to deal with him. So if Chief Green calls me about him, I want to get him away from me, so I I give him a good you know, oh yeah, he's a good person. So now any time an officer's fired or they quit under under uh investigation, there's a form that you fill out that goes to the state. And so those the next chief uh or you know, whatever who's doing the background can actually call the state and see, has this person been fired or did they quit under investigation? Did they retire honorably or dishonorably? So those things, those things help because because they're because you can't uh, in that situation, depending on the nature of it, you can't get a job as a peace as a peace officer based on what your your I think it's called an F five statement says. So so but but you know we talk about the guidelines and I'm hoping those are some of the guidelines that come down from this administration uh, regarding more stricter. Uh, more strict policies regarding um, uh, behavior, bad behavior and and how to uh, prevent officers from when they do certain things not being certified uh, anywhere, whether it's state, federal, county, or whatever. Uh, I'd like to see those stricter you know guidelines, and I'm sure the the nation would like to see those too well, there's a portion of the nation that would like to, or or, or a large portion of the nation that would like to see those types
8: of guidelines come down. Oh Yeah. Hey guys, we, uh, we got a question from Janice in Arkansas. Uh, And Janice, we want to thank you for listening to you and the long, the bachelor news radio network. Uh, Janice is asking if any, if any of us have, uh, have been the only black at a department and how did you handle it? And how did you get uh, uh, racist attacks from? Uh, were there racist attacks from fellow white officers? So, uh, you know, which is a good question. You know, there, You know, we, we know that we are minorities in in this field, but have uh, Ms. Jackson have outside before you became with with uh, working for the federal government? Uh, while you were working uh, with the county or municipal law enforcement, did you ever experience? working being the only black female working at a police department.
3: Well, I will say that not the only black female, but what I will say is when I was assigned to um patrol, I was the only black female on evening shift, okay? So that would have been at that substation, at that particular substation. So, that's actually a good question because when I when I came back to patrol from maternity leave, I It was only about five to eight days left in that particular month. So we had to turn in monthlies every month. So it was my first month back, but only a few days left. And, you know, we had a female uh, supervisor, and she looked at my monthly, and she looked at all the guys monthly, and she said, she reached in her wallet, she pulled out $20, and she said, I, I bet you all that Jackson is going to tear you all up next month. Well, they all, oh, no, she won't. No, she won't. Now, I'm new on patrol because essentially when I rolled out on patrol, uh, you know, I, I went on light duty. And they all pulled out money. They got about $100. And needless to say, the very next month, I didn't only beat them. I whooped their butt. And then they saw oh, you just got lucky <laughs> at all. Then I whooped their butt the next month. So I say that to say that never that never bothered me in a negative way. What that made me do is work even harder to show as a black female that I was bad. And I and I mm-hmm. and I kept that attitude because my mom always raised me to be the best at whatever you do. And because of my work ethic and because of my production on patrol, I rolled into narcotics quicker and faster than anybody had ever done. So that didn't bother me and, and I'm not a small woman, okay. So nobody, mm-hmm. if they said anything, they didn't say it to my face. So let's yeah. just say it like <laughs> that. <then. laughs>
8: yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Ms. Jackson, uh, you know, we're coming up on the last minutes of the show, but, but you know, how has this uh, traffic stop, you know, experience changed you? And, and let, us, let, let us and our listeners know some of the things that you're trying, that you're working on doing and because we know this is not the last that we're going to hear of, uh, hear from you, so uh, just kind of share with us how this experience has been and, and some things that you're working on uh, before we close out the show.
3: Yes, sir. Um, it, it actually um, it lit a fire in me. Um, I've always had the passion. I've always had the drive to help people, and um, that traffic stop that day it let me know how so many people across this entire world are hurting and have been affected by um, different law enforcement officers and agencies. And and it's given me um, the drive. I've started my own organization. I've got different, different organizations going on, but my pride and my joy is the police slash community relationship. And I feel like that the traffic stop has, allow people to see that not all law enforcement officers are bad. There are people that will stand up for what is right. And because I'm in that position, I'm in a position to really make some change. I'm in a position to really to help a lot of people, and I'm going to do just that. Um, You can find me on Facebook, D.J.N.A. Jackson. Also, my fan page, D.J.N.A. I also have a website you can check out and see what I have been doing, me and my team. And that's Change starts within you, and it's just a letter, you dot com. Uh, but the website is on my on my Facebook page, and you can find it there and also on YouTube. And just keep up with what we're doing. Is this is just the beginning?
8: Well, well, Keith, I have to tell you, man, uh, Miss Jackson, she she is a she's a celebrity, man. I tell you when you know when when you have your you know you have your regular Facebook page. And then you have another facebook page that that other people don't have, so man uh i i we need to really kind of start rolling with 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 d s and a because man she <laughs> she is a uh, she's an upcoming uh uh, uh lady well, and and has a lot of a wealth well, of knowledge and experience well Berger, let me say this
9: miss jackson you you have a you have a personal facebook and you have a professional facebook. But you don't have a problem sharing it. Virgil has a Facebook that his wife knows oh, about, here we go. and one that his wife doesn't <laughs> know about. So
8: here we go. I, I here just, we go.
9: I just want to say, you know, <laughs> I just, I just want to, I just want to
8: say that. I mean, well, don't, don't, well, you don't,
1: know, she has a public, saying, you know, Bird,
8: she has a Facebook page that's a pup that that says, you know. She's a, you know, she's a celebrity. You know,
3: man, you got to recognize the celebrity here. No, no, you know what? I'm here, tell you this. No, no, I'm not. And you know what? We're I, people say We're joking that. joking with you. People say that. I don't. You know what? I don't care how big I might ever get. I'm gonna stay the same person that I am. And I, oh, yeah. and you know, I just, I really. I'm being patient because I have so much that I really, really want to do, and I'm just being patient and hoping that God send me the resources that I can get these things done across the United States. I, I've got, I've, I've been all over in U.K. on their radio stations and everything, and it's a lot of people across this world dealing with the same things that we're dealing with in the United States. Yeah. And I just really want to be placed in that situation and placed in that position to where I can help make some changes. That's all I want. Yeah. But I know it's gonna come at
8: this well, time. Yeah. Well, Miss Jackson, you're definitely gonna have uh, whatever uh, myself and Chief Humphrey can do to provide you any kind of, uh, you know, assistance. Let us know because you're gonna have a, a home uh, with us on on the uh, bat, on the uh, you and the law on the Bachelor of Lose Radio Network. But guys, we got to wrap it up. But we definitely want to thank Miss Jackson for coming on the show. But this won't be your last time coming on you and the law. But Keith, uh, have a good night. Ms. Jackson, thank you again, but you're listening to you. You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
9: All right. Good night, everybody.